Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Fairfax. We hope you enjoy this sermon from a recent Sunday worship service. I honestly can't remember the exact topic of the Washington Post article that made me put my head down on our dining room table and want to weep. It might have been about social media content moderators in the Philippines who spend their long work days watching videos of the worst things human beings do to each other for low pay and with little support. If it wasn't that article, it was something similar. Corporations poorly paying and mistreating the human beings we depend on to sweep the uglier parts of our world away so most of us can pretend they don't exist. My heart broke. My eyes opened once again to the truth that we cannot seem to build a world where the comfort, convenience, and prosperity of some doesn't rest on the unseen, unacknowledged labor and pain of others. I sat there my head on the dining room table, feeling hopeless and sad and complicit. And then I got up and cleaned up the breakfast dishes and got my children off to school. I don't exactly blame myself for doing that. This here is the life I live, thanks to a remarkably complex mix of luck privilege, hard work, support from others, genetics, modern medicine, and too many other factors to name. I've made commitments to my family, to my community, and I do my best to live up to them. Cleaning up from breakfast and getting my kids off to school are certainly elements of those commitments. But the feeling of that moment has stayed with me. My dismay and horror at what we human beings do to each other. My sorrow and guilt at the ease with which we seem to consign others to back-breaking or heart and mind-breaking work. Or at least how willing we are to deny it is happening or look away. We talk a lot these days about how divided we are from one another. Often we focus that lament on the US political and cultural system, the gap between the left and the right, the inability of most of us to see past the boundaries of those on our side, to even acknowledge the humanity of those over there. We fight with each other over power and change, over who gets to define reality and who counts as valuable. We can't even agree on what the problems are that we are facing, let alone how to address them. The news, social media, our minds and hearts are filled with these fights, these divisions, with little sense of how to build common ground. And yet, I am coming to believe that we are divided in ways much deeper and more dangerous than these oft-discussed ways. 
And I believe that for the most part, these divisions come in the name of self-protection, an impulse that is deeply human and understandable, likely even necessary, and yet which keeps us from the deepest levels of connection. I want to explore with you a few of these self-protective divisions this morning and maybe begin to imagine how to move beyond them. The first becomes clear in my own response to the newspaper article I read, as well as the poem by Clint Smith that Tanya shared with us this morning. Our desire to protect ourselves from pain. It is hard enough to face the pain from our own individual lives, our losses and disappointments, our struggles and fear. We do a lot to avoid these things if we can, though of course we're not always able to. It takes work and courage to sit with our own pain and more to sit with the pain of those closest to us, our dear friends and family, our communities, those we identify with. To imagine sitting with the pain of the whole world. We are not up to such a task. These days we cannot avoid knowing about much of this pain. In the morning that I was writing this sermon, I heard about refugees fleeing the only homes they have ever known in Azerbaijan, devastating flooding in India, homeless families in California, and a six-year-old with a fatal brain tumor. If I were to let that all into my heart, I might never get out of bed. But I worry as Clint Smith does, what it means for us not to be the one to fire the bullet, but to behave as if the bullet always belonged in that chest and not our own. Even as we learn about the pain of the world, we have to turn away to go on with our lives. There really is no other choice. But we also have to ask ourselves, what is the cost of that turning away? What is the impact to our own humanity when we read about those whose lives are shattered by the moderating of the content on our social media feeds and we go on scrolling anyway? A second impulse towards self-protection comes from the sense that we must constantly be on guard against those trying to take advantage of us. The acknowledgement of how much risk there is simply moving through the world. Living has always been risky, of course. But the proliferation of scams of all sorts, not to mention the impossibility of understanding so many of the systems and tools our lives depend upon has increased the sense that we are always in danger from even the most basic of daily tasks. Writer and social activist Naomi Klein writes in her new book, Doppelganger, 
The extreme consolidation in the corporate world over the past three decades has produced a playing field so rigged against consumers that pursuing the basics of life can feel like navigating a never-ending series of scams. It's as if everyone is trying to trick us in the fine print of pages and pages of terms of service agreements they know we will never read. The black box is not just the algorithms running our communications networks. Almost everything is a black box, an opaque system hiding something else. I don't know about you, but I feel like I need to gear myself up whenever I have to fill out an online form or I get an email about a consumer account I hold. How much due diligence do I need to do to make sure this is authentic? Was there really a security breach at my bank that I need to respond to? Or is someone trying to convince me there was one in order to get my personal information? How do I teach my children to take advantage of all our connectivity has to offer while staying safe? There are times when it feels like everyone is in on the scam except for us. I ask myself, how is it that there are so many people trying to trick others into giving up their money or their identity? And not only people, but organizations, corporations. The sudden proliferation, that uh, word tripped me up twice, <laughs> darn it. The sudden proliferation of generative artificial intelligence only increases my wariness, my worry. But such guardedness, such mistrust of our institutions and of those around us is impossible to turn on and off at will. When we feel like we are always in danger from forces we rarely see and almost never understand, we often feel like we can't risk the openness it would take to forge connections. It feels hard to believe that we are truly in this together. Our third impulse towards self-protection comes from how we want, maybe even need, to see ourselves. All around us we see people hurting other people, believing things that distort truth and damage society, being selfish, or oblivious, or so afraid they lash out, aligning themselves so strongly with one group or identity that they cannot see the value in another. We want to believe that we would not do such things, that our values and good intentions will keep us from inflicting pain, and our rationality will keep us from believing false and damaging ideas that we can somehow protect ourselves from the mistakes and vulnerabilities we see in others. If only that were true. Not only are we vulnerable to the same mistakes as everyone else, but in striving to believe that we would never do such things, we create a separation that is very difficult to bridge. Part of that separation comes from judging some people as other, even less than, 
because of what they believe or how they act. Part of it comes from how tightly we must hold ourselves to maintain the illusion that we could not possibly be like them. Interestingly enough, that same separation can exist if we see ourselves as somehow less than, if we devalue our own experiences and value in the face of others, perhaps those who have suffered more or whom we view as more legitimate or authentic. Either way, we end up living with divisions that keep us from knowing and trusting in our common humanity and the possibility of building on our connection to one another. We protect ourselves into isolation, into the feeling that we need to fix ourselves and our world on our own, that such an approach is even possible. So what does all this mean for us? How do we move beyond our divisions, both the ones visible in our political and social conflicts, as well as those arising from our own self-protectiveness and our dis discomfort with our deep vulnerabilities, the very things that make us all human? I wish I had the answer to give you this morning. Sorry. I am preaching this sermon not because I know the path forward, but rather because it is something I am wrestling with constantly. Honestly, when I woke up yesterday morning to see the news from Israel and Gaza and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's declaration of war, I wanted to scrap the whole sermon, feeling it was futile. And yet... I so desperately want to move beyond the separateness I feel that we all feel to a deeper, truer understanding of our connection. Not just an intellectual understanding, which I do often have, but a lived reality that I can feel and fall back on as I move through the world. Sometimes it is so difficult that I cannot help but despair. And yet I believe it is the only path that will truly move us forward. And I believe there is hope to be found in our Unitarian Universalist heritage and common faith. Ours is not an exclusively helpful story. Unitarianism in particular has a strongly individualistic strain with a focus on our own personal rationality and responsibility. After all, it was Ralph Waldo Emerson, one of those to whom we look for wisdom on how to be in the world, who said, and by the way, I'm keeping all the gendered language of the historical quotes this morning, so. Anyway, Emerson said, a man is to carry himself in the presence of all opposition as if everything were titular and ephemeral but he. Similarly, Unitarian minister, the Reverend Curtis Reese, wrote in 1920, the liberal believes that whatever the future may hold for him, it must be the outcome of his own spiritual achievements. Hence, he demands that his personality be free and self-directive. More recently, 
I worry that in our valuable and necessary work to welcome in and create safer space for those from traditionally marginalized communities and to help lift their voices within our congregations and in the wider world, we sometimes go too far in highlighting our separate identities, dividing ourselves into this group or that at the expense of our common humanity and all that we share. In spite of these challenges, I believe that our faith fundamentally rests on an understanding that all people, indeed all living things, are connected beyond our ability to separate ourselves, sharing a common origin and a common destiny, striving to live well together in the face of the inevitable pain, fear, and vulnerability that none of us can escape. As Universalist minister, the Reverend Clarence Skinner wrote in 1915, this Universalist idea of God is that of a universal, impartial, imminent spirit whose nature is love. It is the largest thought the world has ever known. It is the most revolutionary doctrine ever proclaimed. It is the most expansive hope ever dreamed. This is no tribal deity of ancient divisive civilization. This is no god of the nation or of a chosen people, but the democratic creator of the solid, indivisible world of rich and poor, black and white, good and bad, strong and weak, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. This idea this belief, this hope, is still revolutionary. It is an act of faith to proclaim that it is our connection to one another that will save us, not our individual actions or our attempts to protect ourselves from the pain and vulnerability of being alive. I truly believe that so much of what I see when I look at the world, the ways we hurt each other, the damage we inflict on our planet, our lashing out and retreating in, our claims of identity and group membership that leave others out, so much of this comes from our fear and our pain, our inability to trust the bonds between us. As we try to understand those who seem incomprehensible to us, who seem to seek division and celebrate separation, we need to believe that they, too, share the same fear, the same pain, the same discomfort with vulnerability that we struggle with in our own lives. Not only believe, but live and act based on that belief. As Unitarian Universalists, we must proclaim our faith in our interconnectedness. We must say, we cannot and will not be divided. We must work to find a way to live not only with each other, but for each other. For it is only by doing so that we will be saved. May it be so. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Fairfax. To listen to more sermon podcasts, go to uucf.org slash worship hyphen services and scroll down to sermon podcasts.